This is the movie Hall of Fame class of Paul W.S. Anderson. And there he is across the table from me. The machine gun Joe to my Frankenstein. It's Adam Hall. Yeah. Voice crack there. Oh, that's okay. Hey, pal. Hi. So we were talking pre-show. First of all, take a shot. Every time we incorrectly <laughs> refer to Paul W.S. Anderson as Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. I was also wondering, is there a convenient acronym or nickname that people use to refer to the man? Perhaps he is not quite of the stature of some other of his contemporaries, so he doesn't really have like a sexy nickname. It's really a damn shame he doesn't have the stature. It really should be a constant battle of W.S. and Paul Thomas Anderson. Right. Every time they release a movie the same year. Should be like a real Coke or Pepsi debate. Exactly. Paul W.S. Anderson. I'm, I think I'm going to go with W.S. W.W. Or maybe just W. W. He's a regular George. W ain't bad. <laughs> okay, uh, it's um, W. This is a part of a two episode little mini series we did here <laughs> yeah. exploring some modern day video game directors two of the most prominent ones last week we did neil blomkamp this week we're doing paul ws anderson i don't think the intention was specifically to explore video game directors it was just let's throw a pod at the other guy just to piss him off yeah well two trashy auteurs yeah that Perhaps or perhaps not are misunderstood. <laughs> I don't think they're pretty well understood. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I, you know, it just so happened that both of these guys just really, really love video games. Right. <laughs> One more than the other, I think. They both really. Love they both really games. like video games. But this one is much more open about it. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, you talked about on the Blomkamp podcast that it sometimes feels like when Neil is making a movie, it's like he's playing with his toys. And I would say that is as true, if not more true, with Paul W.S. Anderson, who made six movies that we're going to talk about today. Shopping, (laughs) Mortal Kombat, Event Horizon, Soldier, Resident Evil, and Death Race. One of them getting inducted into the Movie Hall of Fame. I would not say it was the most fun week watching films, I'll be honest. (laughs) For you. (laughs) It was a bit of a chore at times. Sometimes I had fun. Sometimes it was a chore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The first uh, W movie that I saw was AVP, which maybe should be on this list. Might be his best movie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So that's sort of interesting, and I don't know. We'll see how we're Talked about that on Why Is This a Thing a number of years ago, I think, right? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, not not a great movie by any means, but like much better than some of these. Well, a movie that I think benefits from a critically panned sequel, because the sequel to that movie is quite awful, Mm -hmm. and I think also looks pretty good after an onslaught of like... Godzilla fights King Kong, and this creature fights this creature, and then Freddy all of versus the, Jason. Freddy versus yeah. Jason, and then all of the stuff that happened in both the Alien and Predator franchise. Yeah, sure. In the next twenty years, we look back on it, and we're like, eh, you know, it's fine. It's yes. fine. Um, it's also very cold. It's snowy a very movie. very cold, which is weird because the predators hunt in heat, right? So square that as you will, right? But it's easy to see the. I guess it's heat in the cold. You know what I mean? Not if everyone's freezing to death, dude. Right. But it's, I, I don't know. I kind of like it. <laughs> I kind of like it. 
<laughs> I like the setting in that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So an, an interesting guy has a very weird trajectory as a filmmaker. Watching the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> his first movie it seems like what shopping is is a movie like he should have made after all of this junk yeah he almost regresses if you're talking about like the maturity arc of a filmmaker yes especially since <laughs> although like shopping is a pretty like punk rock oh yeah very much so yeah. youthful movie but also somehow commenting on people who are just these stupid kids that like to play with toys literally this Fucking sure. idiot kid with a fucking Millennium Falcon thing. It, it does feel yeah. self-aware yeah, yeah. in a way that the rest of his movies definitely do not. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he's a guy that obviously has never been one of my dudes, but is often referenced by good directors when they're talking about either guilty pleasures or action movies that they straight up like. And I'll get there with some of these, to be honest with you. You know, uh, Quentin Tarantino, it feels like every time he makes a top 10 list and <laughs> it's got to have, a- <laughs> it's got to have a Paul W.S. movie on there. He did put the first resident evil on his list. I know he's, he's mentioned a few that he likes. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's definitely been a few resident evil sequels that have made it onto top 10 lists. Yikes. Um, James Cameron talks about really liking Event Horizon. He likes AVP. He does like AVP. That's right. Yeah. So um, that that's always been an odd thing for me. It's like this is clearly not a guy for Nico, but all of the people that I love love him. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure that I totally got to the bottom of it after this marathon that I did, but also, I don't know, like the guy does have some eye for cinema, you know, maybe not like the cleanest uh, handling of tone and maybe not like the smartest screenwriter alive, but like, no, the guy can do some pretty decent action sequences and he's not incompetent. He's not a hack, I guess. And I guess I was surprised watching this being like, oh, you know what? Like there are some notable high points in this filmography that I would call spotty to say the least (laughs) yeah 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 but there's a purity to the way he goes about it he is one of the most unpretentious filmmakers i've ever seen and that's correct and that's what makes him so easy for me to watch i I always know that like no matter what the movie is kind of that movie that's not trying to be bigger than it actually is Mm -hmm. when you hear the title mortal Kombat, you know what you're getting even if you haven't played the video game sure uh even soldier (laughs) you you kind of know what you're getting when you movie about a soldier it's a movie about a soldier yeah yeah that's sort of a blade runner sequel weirdly it's it's just a guy that knows exactly who he is and just doesn't care i it's so funny to me that he's just still making video game movies his last movie was monster hunter and just like okay man i I always think of like that there's that anecdote that john carpenter tells about david cronenberg and how they were having dinner together and it had been a number of years since they had last spoken to each other but it was around the time where cronenberg was starting to make movies that were kind of outside of his sort of grindhouse roots and it really bothered Carpenter mm. who was a very unpretentious filmmaker and just said like I used to be really good friends with this guy and then he just kind of went down his you know artistic rabbit hole and I just can't stand the dude anymore right. I just he just he's waits Which, like in fairness though I don't know when that conversation happened, but if you look at late period Carpenter, Carpenter. work versus late period Cronenberg work, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would take the latter 100 times out of 100. Yeah, so yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. I, I do think like it is important to at some point in your career evolve past 
whatever you're doing just to not become stale. No, yeah. I, you know, I, because I, I, like I totally John Carpenter agree. was making movies in his 20s, 30s, and 40s yeah. that he was incapable of making in his 50s, 60s, sure, and 70s. Sure. You know, but like, had he had tried doing his Irishman, had he had tried doing like his more late period introspective stuff, like maybe that would have worked for him. I don't know. Like at the end of the day, yes, I I, I would have loved to have seen the, a filmmaker like Carpenter evolve into his years that he's at now. Sure, but I do appreciate, I guess, a filmmaker that doesn't get up their own ass and sniff their own farts half the time and is just fine having fun with what they are. But like I said, it's just so interesting where he starts because shopping is just not what he's immediately going to jump into. That's the weird thing. It's just like, like shopping next to Mortal Kombat is hilarious to me. He never made a movie like Shopping Again. No. Which is the crazy thing. Yeah. Never, never made a British movie ever again. That was another big point. One car stolen every 60 seconds in the city, and that's an epidemic. What's prison taught you, Billy? Don't get cool. Um, shopping. Let's start with that then. 1994 stars Sadie Frost, Jude Law in his big screen debut, mm-hmm. first ever movie. Yeah. Sean Bean, Jonathan Price, Sean Pertwee who is a frequent collaborator of Paul W.S., shows up in Soldier and Event Horizon as well. You've run out of options. No school, no job. Steal a car, smash a shop with a heavy car, and reap the proceeds. (laughs) This movie is about underground England, the causes, the benefits, and the result of a life of crash and carry. Yeah, it's a movie about a bunch of punks in a... Not so distant future, but also possibly like parallel England that's sort of cyberpunky, and there's a lot of industry, there's a lot of smog, everything happens at night. It's, yeah, it, I, I'm not sure exactly when it's supposed to take place, but you do get the sense that this is not exactly our world. I mean, it starts out with like a direct homage to Blade Runner, yes, with those opening shots with the fire coming out of the smokestacks and stuff like that. It's just immediately what it is. And again, like you said, with the night kind of looming over everything, only just faintly lit by like the shining lights in the factories and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So this is a world where young people be robbing things. Yeah, because they're oppressed by their surroundings, and that's all they know how to do that's to survive. Right. And yeah, yeah. here's the thing with this movie. I appreciated, obviously, that it is smaller scale WS, and I appreciated seeing his style from a different lens, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The movie is just so fucking repetitive. Oh, it is, yeah. You know, it like just is a an endless time loop of just like British kids stealing things. I just want to be the best in it. You know, yeah. that's like every scene in the movie. We just the thieves in it. Life is tough in it. Cops suck. <laughs> like that's just the entire movie. And I don't know. I like, it wasn't fun enough. It wasn't like as fun as train spotting or lock stock and two smoking barrels or the other like sort of punk British indies of the 90s for it to justify the 
lack of a plot. You know, I just need a little no. more texture if you're going to keep telling me the same fucking thing over and over again. Well, no, but it's also important to say how much this movie prefigures those movies. Totally. It's a, this is easily the most important movie on the list, which is so strange to say. Yeah, because it, it made like no money. No. It made like legitimately zero dollars. But it is one of those great examples, like one of those movies that shows other filmmakers, oh, the door's open, let's go do that now. Right. You know, it lets Danny Boyle go and do... Uh, um, uh, what's the what's the Shallow movie? Grave. Shallow Grave and Train Spotting, and of course everything Guy Ritchie will ultimately do. Yes. So I appreciate it on that level, you know. And I guess this is more my thing because I vibed with it pretty hard. It's actually my favorite movie on the list. I mean, I understand why you would say that, yeah, obviously, I, because it is a movie about people. Yeah, it is actually. With you know, I mean, I don't know. It was the first movie I chose to watch of the movies that I hadn't seen, and I was like, okay, let's let's go for it. I think I know what I'm getting, and it wasn't what I was getting. It was a big surprise, actually. I was kind of stunned by some pretty good performances a- across the board. Well, Jude Law, if you're seeing him for the first time in this movie, like that guy just pops immediately Mm -hmm. it's like who is this kid yep you know and the script doesn't really give him a ton to do because as i said there's not really an arc it's just a bunch of scenes that feel similar happening over and over and over again i kind of like the monotony i sort of like the repetition of like what you're living is pathetic it sucks and it's only gonna lead down here no matter how much you try to tell yourself otherwise the ending works for me for some reason and i know it's like kind of trite the whole movie is like something i've seen a gajillion times but right I kind of like Paul W. Sanderson doing this because he is a punk. I don't know. In the hands of another filmmaker, I don't. I, weird to say, but I honestly don't know if I would have liked it as much. And I'm talking about Paul W. Sanderson, <laughs> right? Which is it's usually something you say about every single Paul W. S. movie. It's like. Oh, if only that guy made it. If only this guy made it. But I think his flaws here are actually part of what elevate the movie. They work so well in this format. They work so well for these characters, for this story. It's the only time where it's like, I would want to apply this type of very immature sensibility. And it's what's so weird is that the movie decides to reflect on that immature sensibility a little bit. Yeah, okay. So I, I guess I buy the argument that this is about characters on a never-ending road to nowhere. So the <laughs> plot kind of has to trap them in itself. Yeah. You know, and that is kind of what the movie is about. Yeah. I just don't think the vibes are good enough to justify that. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I'm comparing it to the movies of its era. And I acknowledge like yeah. this movie uh, was financed by the same company that financed Shallow Grave and and Train Spotting. So yeah, totally buy it. It's also funny enough, too, you and McGregor almost starred in the Jude Law role. It would have been good. Which would have been interesting. Yeah. I just don't think, like, the thieving looks fun enough. And that is the thing, obviously, that makes train spotting so special, mm-hmm. is that heroin use looks incredibly fun in that movie until it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, until it sneaks up on you like it does the characters. I don't know. I just found this world and the world view to kind of just be cynical and nihilistic it in is a, in a way that isn't particularly funny, particularly fun or particularly cool. You know, I like the idea of this like underground market where they're pawning off stolen goods. And yeah, I kind of like the world building in it in that way. How every <laughs> really, heist yeah. is not like perfectly choreographed. Everything is just brute force. Yeah. Nothing pretty about it really ever. Yes. And that's the other thing that the heist scenes are never the most fun thing for me. It's usually just these kids just living in the space. It's just them right. you're trying to, you know, kill themselves maybe by crossing the the highway and stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that I love more so than just the high scenes themselves. Right. Because those amount to basically nothing aside from taking a bat and swing it at a glass case. And that's right. it. Yeah. I don't, the other movie that I thought of too, the first one that I thought of while watching it was The Warriors. 
That was mm. the first one, which is kind of a dystopian movie um, or like a not so distant future about a bunch of punk kids committing crimes or whatever. Yeah. I'm just comparing it to all of those better <laughs> movies. And I'm like, again, I'm fine without plot. Like I'm fine not seeing anything from Jonathan Price's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual final heist, not really having like a sequence where you map out the mall and oh, yeah. you explain how we get in, get out. Like I'm totally okay with just fucking vibes. Um, but they better be really good vibes. And there are some like good enough shots in this. There's that one shot in the garage where the cop chases the gang into oh, the yeah. garage and it's like a, a swish pan up to the roof and you just see like a bunch of hooligans that begin pelting garbage at him or whatever. That's a great shot, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh, this is like really fun, like Paul W.S. in action mode. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's enough of that in there. I, I just wanted something a little more cool. I just wanted something a little more vibey. I, and... The guy is not really a vibes filmmaker. No, well, we'll discover that when we talk about my feelings on Resident Evil and atmosphere. Sure. God damn it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I do vibe with it, though. I do kind of like the setting. I like when they're just bopping around at a club. All right. There's another great example. Like that scene, they're just playing like generic techno music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compare that to the train spotting soundtrack. Mm -hmm. You know, compare all the great like British punk rock that they use using that and this is in an era too with like awesome rock music coming out of britain and they take advantage of none of that really no Uh, it's just i don't know it's the little things that separate like the good filmmakers from the great filmmakers i guess yeah and the all of the great independent filmmakers of the 90s tarantino and pta and soderbergh or whatever elevated to greater things and i think it's no coincidence that w.s anderson has sort of stuck in video game mode i guess but those are all like kind of comedies too that's another thing that this is trying to oh, be but see it should have been a comedy maybe that's what i'm trying to say well, you, i wish it was i don't know i want to see it all give me the comedies but i'd love to see a story that takes this stuff a little more seriously because it does kind of remind me sometimes of sid and nancy which is a great movie mm. uh much better movie than this but sure <laughs> but the same thing really repetitive really like we're on a road to nowhere not much happens it's a biopic that's a little different it, 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 no <laughs> you well, can, it is I, mean, no. I don't know it is a little different like i am like no movies movies are all fiction doesn't matter if it's a biopic yeah. uh yeah it's you could do whatever you want but it's the same kind of like ordeal with like yeah we're punks and we said fuck you to everybody but what does that really amount to beautifully exemplified in that movie with an awesome ending and like this movie doesn't have the same kind of upsetting ending as that one but i don't know it, it had a deeper effect on me also just because those crashes that happen are really actually quite brutal. That was another thing. That, that last loved. crash is fun. Yes. Nuts. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it, I don't think it's bad. No, I think there are certain flourishes where I'm like, Oh, this guy is a guy. Yeah. And it does have something to say, whether you, you care or not. Sure. On the whole, maybe I, I find that to be underwhelming. Sure. And that's I find fair, the yeah. style to be a little, and the tone to be a little underwhelming. I find mm-hmm. the humor to be underwhelming. And I, I mean, the story is just so bare. And like I said, sometimes it does work for me in the film's favor, but then other times it's, you're right, where it's like, yeah, okay, we're doing the same thing that we just did last scene. And it's like, okay. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's not a great movie, but I'll say this, it's a pretty ballsy first movie the fact that he just said yeah oh, fuck it i'm gonna destroy half of this london borough <laughs> and i'm gonna insult billy joel <laughs> fuck billy joel fuck whitney houston yeah damn kids that's tough show some respect i, I wanted to like it more i really did i want i i 
it's it's obviously not, you know me like I I I like the stripped down versions of yes you know these you wanted you wanted it to be hilarious not even hilarious like I, so or I just wanted to, I wanted it to be like something you know like you wanted I, it to be sexy like I would have taken <laughs> like I want natural born killers like or I want you know I just I want the I want the something version of this movie just because like young punk stealing things is like a genre as old as time. Yeah. But it's, you yeah, know? No, I, it doesn't leave like as profound of an impression as something like train spotting. Or, yeah, or I want like either that. more violent or more that. colorful or, or better music or more angry or more like whatever it is. I just want like more of it. Yeah. And this to me just felt like the generic store brand version of it. Nineteen ninety five. <laughs> Starring Christopher Lambert, Robin Shu, and Lyndon Ashby, and a bunch of other people that if you go on their IMDB page, this is the most notable movie at the top of it. Yep. Point being not a lot of stars in this bad boy. Top grossing movie of Nico's birthday. Very important. That is correct. Yes. I was born on Mortal Kombat's opening weekend. Yes. Three unknowing martial artists are summoned to a mysterious island to compete in a tournament whose outcome will decide the fate of the world. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so let's break that down for a second. Here. Oh, you want to talk about the lore of Mortal Kombat? <laughs> so as you mentioned, this movie did do very well at the box office. It only cost $18 million to make, and it ended up making $122 million worldwide, justified a sequel. Mm-hmm. And I read a lot of the contemporary reviews of the movie, and most of them were like, you know, it ain't great, but it looks pretty fun. The action sequences are all right. And it is a faithful adaptation of the story. And to which I say, like, yeah, because there's no story. I mean, it's a game with no story. And they made it into a movie with no story. Certainly at the time, because I think the only games that had come out were the first three games. And you don't actually start to get like a decent Mortal Kombat store until Mortal Kombat 9, which I don't know when that game came out, 2010, 2011. <laughs> That's tough when you got to wait nine installments I mean, for there to be a little bit of a plot. They're terrible, terrible stories, but like... <laughs> But that that's a good that's a great game. That is a fantastic video game. What is Mortal Kombat? Like it was initially a cabinet game. Were those the first versions or was it on you know, NES? Like an ar- no, like an arcade. You go into yeah. an arcade as a fighting game, you play with your friends and you know, you get your ass kicked. There was nothing that like reinvented the wheel. I want to say Street Fighter had come out prior. To my understanding, the, the the games that preceded this were much fancier and you could do much more with them, but Mortal Kombat distinguished itself because it was very, 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 very violent. Ah. Uh, so violent that it basically starts the whole, this and Doom kind of start the whole conversation about, are video games taking things too far? Sure. Why can't we just have Mario jumping on pipes? Now you can rip out a person's spine as Sub-Zero. Right. And you can go to hell and Doom and shoot demons. Yeah, and, what'd you think about the children for yeah, once in your life? about the children, right. damn it. Right. Uh, so very, very like representative of like the 90s Mortal Kombat is, certainly. And interesting 
interesting too, considering this movie is not violent at all. No, um, it's an incredibly faithful adaptation. Right. Shockingly faithful. I mean, aside from the handling of like Sub Zero and uh, Scorpion, and I guess Reptile. Yeah, that's uh, like watching fucking March Madness though, <laughs> and being like, this is a really good adaptation of the sport of basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Like, this is a really, all, everything that these people are doing on the court right now is really faithful to what James Naismith invented 70 years ago in Springfield, Massachusetts. At least you're watching, at least it's the ball is bouncing up and down. There's a basket. They're putting the basket through the rim. Well, basket, <laughs> you know, like it's very, it's very faithful. Like, hey, 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 hey. A game and a movie are two very different things. Uh, not here, though. Yeah. <laughs> not here. I mean, it's just like a bunch of people with, with creatures with cool powers and catchphrases. <laughs> Basically. Just fighting each other. Kind of looks like the game, too. Um, no, it's not the same. The experience of playing Mortal Kombat's not like watching this movie. I sure hope not. No. Because I feel like I've played Mortal Kombat in arcades before, and I've had a lot more fun. Uh, had a great time rewatching it. I, I enjoy the shit out of it, despite the fact that it goes squarely in the same camp as Friday the 13th Part 3, and that I think it's a piece of shit movie, but God, is it fun. <laughs> mm. <laughs> at least that movie, though, has, like, pitchforks coming at you in three dimensions. In three dimensions. Yeah, at least oh, it's like, God. whoa. Whoa. <laughs> no, this movie's fun. It's, it's fine, it, I guess. It's, it's very, very fun. And, I mean, you haven't seen Annihilation, which is the worst movie ever made. The sequel. Yeah, so... Um, you know, I, I rewatching it like because again, it's we'll talk about this. The same thing will happen with Resident Evil. But I had seen this movie way before becoming a fan of the games, and on rewatch, I was like, "Oh wow, it's amazing how faithful they're actually choosing to be to this strange video game, despite the fact that it's not violent at all." Right. It's better than the 2021 movie, though, man. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. Yeah, I've not heard great things about that one either. No, no like that movie is a disaster. This is this actually, you know, for better or worse, knows what it is and just fucking commits to the bit. Yeah. And I'm more than okay with that. It's interesting to see them take the source material that literally. It is so dumb. <laughs> Quite. It is. It's the thing I was like, why? I'm like, holy shit, man. It's just like, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. And because all these movies form cults and this movie especially is no exception. And I was like, what do people actually yeah, think? Almost of all of his movies have become cult classics I know, yeah, it's in so some way. Fucking weird. One of them is like a poster child of late nineties cult status. And yeah, the rest of them are all at least have their defenders, especially online. Again, I had forgotten so much, but as a kid, you don't realize how dumb this stuff actually is. And whoa, this is like, the dumb. script is quite bad. It's like stupider than 2012. Sometimes it's just like, what the fuck is this? Who's the main, the white guy, not the, not the oh. other. I, I mean, I don't, there's a couple main characters, but the white guy. Johnny Cage? Johnny Cage. Johnny the actor, Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage is basically playing Johnny Bravo in this movie. But yeah, well, that's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and he's got lots of quotes. As Johnny Cage does. Some of which I wrote down for you. Tell me. When a guy throws his luggage in a river. Thank God I didn't ask him to park my car. <laughs> Hell yeah. When a guy mid-fight breaks his sunglasses, those were $500 sunglasses, asshole. Yeah. A lot of that. A lot of sexist humor pointed at the lead female character. 
this guy Johnny, uh, you know, in most movies I, I like a fellow like this. The script is just so bad here, though. And I, yes. again, found it to be especially uncinematic when you just got a guy with a bunch of funny catchphrases saying them as though they're the funniest thing on earth before going into battle. I'm just like, yeah, this really is a faithful adaptation of a two-dimensional cabinet game that you play at an arcade. Yep. Just paper-thin characterization. Yeah, oh, my God. It's, it's hard to even call them characters. Yeah. They, now, for this reason, I'm never bored at all. I'm not even close to being bored in this movie, which is the contrast with that fucking 2021 movie. Mm. Yeah, it's just it's, it's one of those movies where it's like, I hate to say I'm just way too old for this. Way too old for this. Cra- oh no! Way too old for this crap. Oh no! Yeah, can you believe it? I'm just like this is just too dumb. It's one of those dumb movies where it's like occasionally while watching it, I'm like feel a little bad watching this. I gotta right. step away for a second. Yeah, that's like what am I neglecting in my life while I'm watching this? It's yeah. one of those movies where yeah, you're like, exactly. <laughs> you're like I, I'm about to close on a house. You know, my dog needs to be fed. You know, I, where am I in my career? Like, what am I doing right now? <laughs> but <laughs> that, well, what should I be doing while I'm watching Mortal Kombat? <laughs> but then two things happen. The, the way this movie references the games is so bad, but so funny. And just, it's the most obvious thing. I, I, I mean, I'm curious to know, like, while watching it, like, you must have known something. Like, that's clearly a reference here and there. Like, it's just so awkwardly shoehorned in half the time. <laughs> sure. The other thing I thought about these characters, and, and I thought maybe this would have helped had I been more familiar with the game, but every character is introduced on screen as though it is a famous actor playing them. But I wasn't familiar with any of the actors, and I wasn't familiar with any of the characters. And I was wondering, are these characters so iconic in the games that their entrance was played up? That oh. would be the only explanation. Oh, absolutely. It's it's. I, I'm watching like, yeah, this is a movie that you know you need to see. You need to have played the game rather to have like appreciated a lot of those elements. It's one yes. that expects the core demographic to be entirely made up of Mortal Kombat fans who love these games. Right. right. Because yeah, I, I would say they're all very, very iconic characters. And this is kind of like the core lineup mostly. Uh-huh. Uh with the exception of like a few that aren't there. But most of the time, yeah, it's like, yep, there there they are. Yeah, I just feel like they're shooting it, though, as though it's 1995 and Jackie Chan has just come on screen. You yes. Know? Like it is yeah, I, I I don't know. You should always. <laughs> I don't There's know. There's a you know what? There's a great note. You just saved movies. Shoot every character introduction as if it's Jackie Chan <laughs> entering the frame. <laughs> Listen, I think the movie is smart in modeling itself after kung fu movies. Yes, after like Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon and stuff. That is definitely smart. As you said, it's it's rarely boring, and there's always at least something to look at. Mm-hmm. Particularly the set, which I think is actually really nice. Yes. And I think, like, the characters are fun enough. Like, yeah. there's one guy that's, like, Mr. Freeze that just freezes shit. And then he cuts your limbs off after he freezes you. God, it's just so frustrating how you, you, you're just, like, disposing. Like, so there's, like, one of the most, like, a pop culture icon. There's another guy that, like, a snake comes out of his palm. Even people who don't Like, play. he holds up his hand and here comes a snake. And I'm like, that's pretty sick. Scorpion is weird, by the way, with the snake thing coming out of his hand because that's not at all what it is in the... I mean, he does have stuff that shoots out, but it's just a... You know, well, I don't know what you call those things, but it's like a, a blade at the end of a chain and you swing it around to hit people. I kind of dig it, though. It's a terrible effect, but... Who's the big puppet that like looks like Thanos combined with uh, Machamp from Pokemon? 
Uh, Goro. Goro. Yeah, that's a very awkward puppet that they're trying to very hard to control and make convincing. <laughs> Goro's fun because he's got four arms again, like the Pokemon. Yeah. And he was cool. <laughs> it just gets pushed off of a fucking cliff. Yeah. It's the lamest ending to that character. Doesn't he get like, kicked in the balls at one point? And it's like, yeah. I got him. Yeah. Goro's got nuts. Fucking Goro. <laughs> yeah. Little did you know. Yeah, you know, it's a movie with fighting. Some might say it's a movie about fighting. It um, is a movie about fighting. It's about friendship, too. Don't forget, it's a movie about friendship. If we just stick together, we can accomplish anything. Totally, and they do by sticking together. Again, a little unclear on the plot. Uh, you know, why exactly the fate of the universe is at stake here? They always say that. It's like, you are fighting, so the universe survives. And it's like, do you want to elaborate a little more on what you mean? Yeah, they don't do a very good job at explaining it at all. It, literally, you are looking at the outline of the screenplay before the screenplay has actually been written. You know what I mean? You're just like... All right, fighting equals world saved, and we just never connect the dots. Yeah. And they just, and whatever. I mean. Earth Realm cannot be destroyed because Raiden really likes Earth Realm, and they've lost uh, like nine consecutive uh, Mortal Kombats. And if they lose this one, it's all over. You're fucked. And like the hell world is going to come and finally take it over. Got it's like it. a sat, it's, you know, it's just, it's a ritualistic thing. So there is an honor code. It's okay. like they probably could take over the world if they wanted to, but they're like, no, 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 no. We want to obey the rules for some reason <laughs> and and go through mortal combat. Yeah, I feel like it. you could just invade whenever you wanted if you're like a you know giant hell realm or whatever. Yeah, well again, they don't clarify that. Then I think Mortal Kombat 9 explains that they literally can't do it until they win this last match. So okay. that that one that's a good game. That's a good game. You should play it. You should, you I'm should probably play. not gonna get around to it. You don't think so? No, I'm trying to work through like Cormac McCarthy's fucking novels first, and then maybe I'll get maybe I'll get to Mortal Kombat Nine after I finish that. You know, don't need to play the other games. You could just jump straight to Mortal Kombat Nine because it's kind of like a hard reboot. Okay, so yes, Nico, that's your bit of fucking homework. Got it. Um, yeah, yeah. man, it's a video game movie. It's a fucking stupid ass movie, but I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. If you're into like 90s action shit, it is like Dutch angles and bad sound effects. Yeah. Silly video game. Hey, 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 hey. That's some good, charming, schlocky nonsense. Yeah. And it's so 90s. Oh my God. This movie is, it's almost uncomfortable how 90s this movie is a lot of the time. The mission was going perfectly like a textbook. They reach safe distance using conventional thrusters. All systems look good. I had the go-ahead to use the gravity drive to open the gateway to Proxima Centauri. And then they just disappeared, vanished without a trace. Until now. Where's she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. Event Horizon from 1997. Stars Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Neill, Jason Isaacs, once again, popping up in the WS movie. Yeah. He's been in a bunch of these. I think the only one he's not in is Death Race. A rescue crew investigates a spaceship that disappeared into a black hole and has now returned, dot, 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 with someone or something now on board. Yeah. Cost $60 million to make. This was his follow-up, obviously, to Mortal Kombat, so he got a pretty big budget considering the returns on that movie. Yeah. 
However, it only grossed $26 million at the box office, making it a bomb both financially and critically. Although years later, it has become a bit of a cult classic. People love this movie. Did very well on DVD. Mm -hmm. There was for years this rumored director's cut that WS was working on. And I think a lot of that footage had been destroyed at yeah. some point between the DVD release and the making of the movie. That's what I had heard, yeah. And so we have to settle for the version that we have, which is very lean. A scant 90 minutes, this movie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he does leave it all out there because it is a very violent, gnarly movie. But I can only imagine the debauchery that was filmed for this movie that did not make the final cut. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- this is the movie uh, again, although like it didn't make much at the box office, it, it, it feels like this guy has hung around because of maybe not event horizon specifically, but movies like event horizon that do very well on cable that do very well on DVD and studios and stars are often willing to take the gamble that his movies are going to have a second life in yeah. video. It's so much that kind of movie. I mean, there's just so many movies like this that are very much aping off of Alien sometimes. Yeah. It's it's just blatant rip-off territory. Sure. Uh, I mean, I've just seen so many fucking movies like this. Yeah. I guess Alien wasn't the first space horror movie, but it definitely feels like that is the one that is aped the most. I mean, there's just direct shots, like with the fingers coming up and peeking over, like the little hole there. Sometimes the set looks a lot like Alien. Yeah. There's the same kind of like where uh, Sam Neill's going into like the circuit board tunnel feels exactly like the ventilation scene sometimes although not as good <laughs> i do love the circuit board tunnel though it just looks like fucking glass it just looks like they glued it <laughs> no but you're right though but the movie is you're you're 100 right like what if it was alien except the alien isn't on the ship the alien is the ship and oh it's my like God. what if we did the vent sequence except it's made of circuit, circuit boards board. or yeah, that, that is basically the entire movie. You know, what if we did the shining elevator shaft, but we put it in space? It's a lot of that stuff. A lot of a lot. It's just very constantly ripping off other movies. Um, I'm not one of the cult, to be honest with you. Huh. I'm not. Interesting. It's much better than Mortal Kombat, uh, easily. That is true. Uh I don't know. The only time where hell and sci-fi is like meshed well is in a video game. And I just referenced it. It's called Doom. But you can only do it in a video game. Where And it makes sense. Here, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a ve- two very, very different warring things that just go together like oil and water for me. And I just a lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The second I got to look at the production design, I knew that this movie is about paper thin. Because this is a stupid looking science fiction movie if you ask me there's just some dumb design choices that i'm just like you only did that because hey isn't that a cool thought it's like why do you want your control chair hanging around like a fucking christmas ornament why do you have like flying buttresses and and silver bricks for archways on a spaceship why is it a gothic spaceship that's drawing from churches i mean i thought every single thing that you just said as I was watching the movie. Like, you've echoed my thoughts exactly. Down to the Lawrence Fishburne dangling chair. Yeah. You're 100% right. Like, and the production design is one of the things that's complimented the most when you look at reviews of this movie. And I agree with you. I'm like, 
man, I wish this looked a little better. Yeah. I wish the sets were a little more alien-esque, for lack of a better term. Yeah, but, you know, it's like, I don't understand the inner workings of everything on the Nostromo, but that ship makes sense to me as as a Ricky Dick ship that they just shot into space, go get some ore, kids. Yes. That makes sense. Like, I can't, for the life of me, wrap my head around, like, archways with metal bricks. Yeah. What what even is a metal brick? What the fuck are you talking about? It's just... And it permeates a lot of, like, the first of all, the aesthetic of the movie, but also just the way it's written, too. It's just very just, you know, it sounds cool, so let's put it in the movie. It looks cool, so let's put it in the movie. Are you saying this movie isn't 100% scientifically accurate? I would say it's a little more scientifically accurate than the core. Yeah, I'll that's what I would it. say. I'll yes, take it. sure. <laughs> uh, and finally, tone in this movie is all over the fucking place. Definitely. All over the fucking no place. No question. It's, in a way that I kind of like, but I, I know what you're saying, definitely. Yeah, I can't get over the dude like getting shot out of the his space, and then you get that comical shot of him flying towards the planet and saying, Here we come, motherfucker. No, okay, so there's this guy, <laughs> Richard D. Jones is the name of the actor. I don't really recognize him from much else, but. His character in this <laughs> is incredible because you're right. He is shot into space and then the actor dubs in the dialogue. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm coming back, motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's like Kung Pao style. Everything is in a wide, but it's not really a wide, obviously, because it's all CGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it looks super fake and you could tell there's no guy actually being shot no, here. It's like Superman. And it's dubbed in and like the audio is like not in an environment that sounds anything like space. So no, it's no, very no, 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 weird. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it feels like, right. Every shot of him is dubbed in with some audio. So it feels like sometimes the dialogue is being yep. improvised yep, on exactly. the day of the recording. And I love how like the, the second he shows up to like stop the bad guy from killing Lawrence Fishburne, he just smacks onto the windshield like a bug and he's like, hello. And then they shoot <laughs> The fuck just and he's like, oh no, don't shoot me! No, <laughs> just, just immediately get shot back. <laughs> yeah, it's like the fucking Who's Line game where they dub over <laughs> the old silent movie scene. Uh, look, look. Here's the thing, though. I mean, I get why it's a cult movie. Totally, I, uh, certainly. It's like if you're just chilling, getting drunk or stoned or whatever, this is your movie. And I would have enjoyed the fuck out of it in that scenario, but I never had that opportunity really. Sure. Um, you were studying it as pure cinema for your very serious movie podcast. N- that's exactly right. I was preparing for this very moment right now. Right. Um, no, I'm not sure I even dislike the movie. I think I'm more so just responding to the cult. I just look at it as a very dumb space movie that like is cool, but that's all it is. It's just kind of cool. And I guess I like Lawrence Fishburne enough in the movie. And I like Sam Neill enough. And I enough. like Sam Neill, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I like particularly when the two of them are on screen together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't fully understand Sam Neill's character, but... No. Uh, I was thinking to myself, they did this so much better with Mark Strong's character in Sunshine. Yeah. You know, yeah, the you last go. act of that movie is... There you go, yeah. For me, the ideal version of the last act of this movie. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because they are so similar. Right, this normal guy that is just there for science sort of uh, becomes mystified and is brainwashed by this force. And in Sunshine, it's literally the sun. Yeah. Here, it's some weird extra dimension it's hell hell yeah yeah it's like hellraiser right that's the thing of the like interdimensional beings yeah, sort of aside from you know the puzzle pox but you know, sure yeah but there's like they're kind of ghosts they're kind of demons yeah whatever. yeah demons to some angels to others right good stuff uh yeah no and also like sunshine to me is just 
far more interesting in its stylization. Yeah. And that's what makes that last half hour so cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, this movie doesn't really do the tension building well. And I think that's the larger problem. Is it's just not scary. As an alien ripoff, it's not very scary. I, I do really get a kick out of the last half hour of this. Oh, I, it's fun. Yeah, it I am a mere mortal, you know. And when it's fun. they show the sequence of the recorded video where the former crew is eating and raping each other. <laughs> Like, it sounds horrifying, and it is horrifying, yeah. but you're just watching it, and I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> the, the comic timing of Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. yeah, we're leaving. We're leaving. <laughs> it's the best. It's the <laughs> best. Uh, it cracks me up every time. Apparently, they, like, hired pornographic actors to do that scene, too, to make it, like, really extreme. Um, and they don't include a lot of it in yeah. the final product. And I think that is for the better. I don't think I wanted like the full on exploitation version of this movie. It does have one of the more memorable, like genuinely horrifying sci-fi ideas, which is the airlock scene. Yes. Which is just a good, I'm just like, Oh, that's uncomfortable. That's really scary and Again, disturbing. 100% just, scientifically accurate. I'm not sure. I, closer than anything else in the movie. Okay. <laughs> Fair if he got shot out, no, he'd be dead pretty quickly. But yeah. 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 You know, it's okay. It's, yeah. You're right. It's not hard enough, though, of a sci fi movie. It's not scary enough of a horror movie. So it kind of exists in this weird middle ground where it's kind of an action film. But listen, when the blood starts flowing, it is fun. It is fun. Yes. You I know, agree. when the shining elevator shaft essentially happens in the movie, it's a lot of fun. When the apparition of the burning former crew member mm. of Lawrence Fishburne shows up and starts shooting fire at Lawrence Fishburne. It's a ton of fun. When Sam Neill gets his eyeballs gouged out yep. and he's like, where we're going, we don't need eyes. <laughs> and this like weird take on Back to the Future for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. Sam Neill's hamming it up. Is he hamming it up as much as he does in, say, In the Mouth of Madness? I'm not so sure. Um... There are better versions of this movie everywhere you oh, look. Yeah. I yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the worst version of this movie. I'm, I'm talking about the alien ripoffs. That's almost its own cam. Yes. Because obviously aliens better than this. But like, the, you know, you're like the Leviathans of the world. That's another one by fucking what the, George Cosmatos. Co yeah, Cosmatos. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen so many movies like this. I've seen so many better movies like this. And while it's not the worst, it's just like, yeah, it's just another one. I'm just throwing it on the pile. Yeah. There's this scene at the beginning then I think this encapsulates it perfectly when Sam Neill is explaining the idea of interdimensional travel. Oh yeah. This is a classic one now to the crew. Right. And we've all seen the time travel or space travel or whatever explanation scenes that happen in science fiction movies. And you know, in this particular scene, he takes a page out of a playboy magazine Pokes a hole in one side, pokes a hole in the other side, and then folds the paper over to explain the wormhole. Wormholes and how you can Black holes travel faster than the speed of light. And I just think the fact that it is on a Playboy magazine and not on a chalkboard like Doc Brown explaining the different timelines, that tells you all you need to know, not just about this movie, but also Paul W.S. Anderson in general. Sure, yeah. yeah. Which is like, you know, he does sci-fi, but he does it. Not on a chalkboard, not on a notebook, but on a Playboy mag, you know? But you know what? I like that more than the little ripped piece of paper that they do the exact same thing with in Interstellar. Why are they doing this? They're obeying orders, sir. It's their duty. 
Do you know how many there'll be? 17 more, sir. Oh my god, you can't fight 17 on your own. You, you'll have to organize us. We're not cowards. We'll, we'll do as you tell us. We'll fight. No. Why not? Soldiers deserve soldiers, sir. But one soldier can't 17. What are you gonna do? I'm going to kill them all, sir. Soldier from 1998. Starring Kurt Russell, Jason Isaacs, and Gary Busey. <laughs> yep. Written by David Peoples. Who wrote a little film called Blade Runner. And Unforgiven. A soldier trained from birth is deemed obsolete and dumped on a waste planet where he is reluctantly taken in... I'm reading it like a robot, bro. I'm reading it like fucking chat GPT. You're, read read, hey, you're reading it like Kurt Russell. Why am I <laughs> emphasizing all the wrong words? Yeah, good point. <laughs> he is taken in by a community of defenseless, stranded wayfarers. Jerry, I didn't know you'd show, or Jerry, I didn't know you'd show. Right. That's what you're doing. Uh, this thing... Again, big budget, $60 million, only grossed 14 mm-hmm. another bomb, yep. another bomb. 15% on Rotten Tomatoes is the number I saw. Woo, 15%, eh? That's pretty low. Tell me if you think I'm crazy. It's my favorite movie on the list. I really like it. Am I nuts? Mine too. All right. Mine too. Let's go. Thank you. Let's go. I'm so happy we used the line. I'm like, I thought this movie was pretty solid. I did too. I'm like, this is, this rules. This freaking rips. Yes, yes. I was like, this is pretty freaking good. But like, am I alone? I thought it was crazy. Yeah, I I thought it was taking crazy pills too. I was like, wait, wait, what's going on? What's going on? This movie, I think it's pretty good. It was between this and shopping. And right now they're kind of tied in in my, they've been tied in my head for a while now. What's the deal, guys? Right. It's perfectly good. I would say it's. Good. Yes, I say it's I, straight up good. Yes, yeah, so would I. So would I. I would say this is a good movie. Yes, yes. This movie's a fucking blast. Super fun. Not reinventing the wheel, but who cares? It's, Looks great. Yes. Good premise. Yep. yep. Tonally exactly what I'm looking for. Awesome set pieces. I, awesome set pieces. The script, I think, is actually pretty solid. Yeah. I like the idea of the script. So here's how the movie opens, right? We start Babies. On a table. It looks like we're in a nursery, a hospital of some kind. Oh, this is adorable, <laughs> right? Little cute baby. I, I, I'm uh, another nerdism here, but if uh, Halo didn't take a note from this movie, then I would be utterly shocked. <laughs> Babies are here. Uh, but there are sinister forces that are raising these things. And this is all basically like dialogue free, this whole sequence that goes on for a while. Yes. The baby grows up. They start like taking classes, all of these children in outer space it seems like there are dogs like killing animals it's very disturbing but the teachers are like children you must watch yes and so they stand there and they watch as as mother nature takes its course you know it's like fuck yeah (laughs) and i'm like at this point i'm just sort of leaning in towards the tv huh interesting okay like fucking travis bickle in the cab (laughs) (laughs) i'm doing the vince mcmahon meme right now i'm just like oh (laughs) 
All right. Now they grow up a little, they're a little older now. They're like maybe fifth or sixth grade. It's time for to go on a run. It's time for gym class yep. in Mars or whatever. Oh God, it's a great moment. We're running one little tubby kid that clearly had a couple donuts that morning. For, I don't know how he got the donuts, but like he's a little pudgy, this kid. You can't even give Pyle the, the you can't even get him to the point where he's going to kill himself. No, 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 no. Right. Yeah, it's go exactly. Gomer Pyle, it, but he's a child and- he has fallen behind the pack and he must be taken care of, right? Yes. Yeah, shoot the horse. We're thin in the herd here, right? We're only looking and now at this point I am I am uh, fully erect and I don't mean in that way. I mean my body is literally sitting up. But that will come. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to <laughs> Sure. <laughs> now it's time for target practice. Again, this is all silent. No dialogue. I know. Here. I love this opening. Like, like no Arlie Ermy narrating any of this. Five minute montage. <laughs> right. Now it's time for target practice. They've given the children guns. They're at a range. And here's a bad guy with a gun. Shoot, 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 shoot. Now, all of a sudden, a cardboard cutout of a mother and her baby appear in front of the enemy. <laughs> and now you think, all right, do they have to make a moral decision here? Do they aim? Because you, you've seen this in movies before. They probably aim for the assailant mm -hmm. and their aim is so sharp yep. that they're able to yep. keep the baby and the mother intact. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yep. These children are taught if an innocent gets in between you and the enemy, you mow the innocent down. <laughs> It's amazing. You take the <laughs> quickest path. But, you know, the bullet takes as the crow flies, takes the quickest path between you and the assailant right through the innocent bystander. I, I, I was pinned back against my seat. I'm like, no fucking way they're doing that. No, 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 no. And, then, <laughs> and I'm like fucking sick. You know, and, and now and then, we've gotten all the way to where these children have become grownups. One of them is played by Kurt Russell. He is the titular soldier, soldier. in this movie. His name is Todd. He's a soldier named Todd. I think they give him a number too, but he's Todd. And, and Todd is just, he's a killing machine. The soldiers have been raised from birth, we find out, to be just absolute monsters. And the callousness with which they treat human life is quite striking in the first 20 minutes of this movie. I love it. It's great. Yeah. It's a great opening sequence. He's really fast. He's a really good fighter. Mm -hmm. He is immune to pain, it seems like. Yeah. And in a sequence where Jason Isaac shows up. Who, by the way, Jason fucking Isaacs in this movie, I just cannot get enough of this slimy piece of shit. He's great. Oh, yeah. He's like... I have the new breed of super soldier, you know? Yeah. I have the new model. You know, it's like the iPhone. He gives like a Steve Jobs presentation. You know, it's a phone, it's a computer, it's an iPod. Yeah. And these guys, they run much faster. He gives like Kurt Russell like a five-minute head start or something in a race. It's like one lap around the block or whatever. And it's like a 20 minute head start. And this guy catches up fucking immediately. <laughs> he's like running through the fog. Like WS puts like a fog machine. Yeah, that's right. And oh like my God, here he comes. Of the shadow. Yeah. yeah, this guy he's, goes. He's gaining on him. <laughs> right. That's great. Then they have like a fight, hand to hand combat 
on top of like chains. chains. They're like literally suspended themselves in the air with chains. And it's not just Kurt Russell. It's Kurt Russell and two other comrades. Right. Because yeah. Gary Busey is like the drill instructor for Kurt Russell, for the old breed of soldier. Right. Yeah, it doesn't really like this new guy. They don't quite get what it means to be a real soldier. Right. Which is funny that, like, he, in this universe, he's, like, the old school, like, you know, we, we got to put humans behind guns, you know what I mean? Like, I, we, I don't trust all this new technology or whatever, even though, like, he's literally breeding children from birth to become soldiers. But at some point in time, like, he becomes the good guy in this movie, and it's kind of weird. But sort of, yeah. So, or, or at least, like, the, he is the leader of the sympathetic faction. I, I guess. <laughs> so he's like, uh, well, you know, I'm sure he's fast. <laughs> I'm sure he's like, he processes information well or whatever, but can he fight? And Jason Isaacs is like, yeah, he, oh, can, yeah, fight. he can fight. We're going to fight on top of those chains here, but it wouldn't be fair if he just fought one of your soldiers. Give him three. And so three soldiers fight him at once at the top of chains. And at one point, like Kurt Russell gouges his eye out and like Jason Isaacs starts cursing the guy out. Like, you're no good to me now because you have no depth perception. And <laughs> It's sick is what I'm trying to say. All yeah, right. It's, pretty it's sick. fucking sick. It's pretty sick. I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> now, what I will say is this. There were times where we were talking about this as a Blade Runner pseudo sequel. And it's nothing to do with Blade Runner. It, it doesn't. <laughs> I did at, at times wish I was watching the Ridley Scott version of the movie. The movie that was a little more serious because I do find this script pretty compelling yeah i well the premise is just it's an awesome idea it's a great sci-fi idea yeah it's one that i can buy happening in the future to be honest with you i like that well the sort of optimization the money ballification of every industry right yeah that is the path that all industry takes why wouldn't the military also sure yeah right no i like the movie i just like i just thought it was good i was like when i saw the 15 percent on rotten tomatoes i was a little appalled i'm like that's an indicator of one of the worst movies ever at 15 fucking percent like right I understand why you might just give it like a mediocre score at the time of its release. But like the fact that I think it's actually kind of a good movie. Mm. Again, this is where it starts to be so confusing to me because I'm like, what did you see in this? That was like, not at the very least, like super entertaining and not in like a dumb, like superficial way. Like a lot of it is often tied to the characters, obviously with the Kurt Russell's uh, Todd. It's so weird because it's, he's deliberately emotionless character that I just wanted to hug the whole time. Yeah. I loved him. You almost kind of wish that they let Kurt Russell loose because sure. He's such a chewer of dialogue. Oh yeah. 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 But he's really good silent here. I mean, there's mostly, it's mostly just like him staring off into the distance, sometimes longingly at a dame. Yeah. You know, I love the way he's directed here. Like every time someone taps you, you just snap to them as though they're potentially another threat. He's very convincing. But I got to be honest, like when he's kicked out of the town and he's crying in his little tunnel there, it kind of works. <laughs> I will say W.S. kind of he sometimes shoots it like it's fucking Lawrence of Arabia with like crossfades oh and like God. longing romantic things. Like sure. he falls in love with the guy's wife or whatever. And that's I don't know if they do they ever actually make that a literal romance in the movie. I'm not sure, but it's kind of implied that there's a, yeah, there's something going there's on. There's some courting going on there. And I don't think they ever actually go through with it. Yeah, but it's very dramatic and it's yes. very like, and I don't know, like because it's WS, it's so unpretentious mm-hmm. and unself-aware and uncynical that I dug it. But yeah, I don't feel like the tone, 
the spell of the movie is ever really broken. You know, you're you're pretty much in it, and and part of it too, obviously, is its short runtime and it's very clean and simple. Premise. Yes, 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 yes. You know, also never broken. By the way, we haven't mentioned this, but the problem with some of the other movies is just the way it uses music. Like the yes. other movies, just suck at it. They're just really, really bad at at implementing it. Like if anything's breaking my immersion with those films, it's the way the needle drops happen and just yep. the way the score is implemented. Yep. And this one doesn't really have that problem, which is actually nice. It makes it feel like an actual movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell is dropped on a trash planet. Yep. The trash planet has a bunch of inhabitants. I like the idea of a trash planet, by the way. Oh, I that's do, pretty I, sick. Again, I do. Yeah, I was like, that's a fun idea. How good's a trash planet? I right? do love a trash planet. And he teaches all of the inhabitants how to fight. And they ostracize him because, like, he's kind of crazy. And he is crazy. He's a soldier. I think there's one line that's like, you must love fighting because <laughs> you're a soldier. And you're like, ah title of the movie <laughs> yeah uh but you know and, and everybody's like a little freaked out by him because it's like all right what's this guy's deal so they ostracize him but then like a snake shows up mm. there's a bunch of like snakes you got to be careful of those snakes is one of the worst things about this planet the snakes will kill you the snake can make you a mute apparently there's like yes. a child in the movie that doesn't talk because he got bit by a snake yep and this the, the child learns eventually how to kill the snakes because kurt russell teaches them and then the community invites him back when they're eventually uh, under attack by Jason Isaacs. <laughs> I just love, we're just, we're just doing recon of a planet, scoping it out. And if you see anyone, just assume they're hostile. Shoot them. Yeah, out. just assume everybody. <laughs> just so, this is like worse than the Starship Troopers military. It's, <laughs> this is one of the most single-minded, stupid militaries I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, just shoot them. Yeah, no, no, just, just, just shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> All of this, we should mention, by the way, happens at breakneck speed. I mean, really, like, Kurt Russell is kicked out of the village and then brought back seemingly within five minutes. Yeah, I, I agree, too. It's like, oh, we're here now. But I got to be honest, like, I was kind of cool with oh, it. Oh, I dig it. I, it's not a criticism at all. Because, like, I think with other movies, it so easily would have felt rushed. But here it's like, oh, God, all right. I mean, I, there's urgency. There is a level of urgency that does feel kind of earned. They get to it in, in an organic fashion. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. And that finale, the, the fucking, the climax is really good. Really Where Kurt good. Russell just kills them all. The Rambo scene is essentially what it is, but like, right. Hell yeah. There, there's a couple, again, uh, I mean, you mentioned Rambo and it's apocalypse now is in there. There's yeah. an apocalypse now shot. I mean, they literally use the Martin Sheen coming out of the water shot, but whatever, you know, I'm going to kill them all, sir. That's sick. That's, That's a, a great sick action movie. I shit. love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Calls everybody sir because he's a soldier. I'm going to kill them all, sir. Ugh. It's great. And yeah. he does. And he proceeds to kill them all. <laughs> it's awesome. Does what it says on the box, this movie. Yeah. This was the the movie, maybe even more so, I, I guess Mortal Kombat was the biggest indicator of this at first, but the maximalist style that this guy loves, especially in that finale where it's like raining and there's sparks going everywhere and the guys aren't just like punching each other. They're like jumping high and kicking each other in the air and everything about this movie it's just constantly turned up to 11 when it doesn't really need to be, but it is. And this was the first time where I was watching a WS movie and I thought that he, that it was the first time it reminded me of a John Carpenter movie in a good way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mastery of what you're doing behind the camera. Mm hmm. Not super self-serious. No, no. Interested enough in character, but never in a way that distracts from the spectacle. Yeah. And also like some decent ideas at the surface of it. 
even if it's not like world changing stuff, like there's enough there there to at least carry you through. I kind of responded to it to a similar way that I did when I saw the Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider, where I'm like, am I crazy? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a solid little movie. Yeah. What is the Blade Runner thing? So the well, there's references to Blade Runner where they talk about fights with the the Tannhauser Gate, which Roy Batty references when he's dying in the final speech of Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've watched sea beams glitter in the dark at the Tannhauser Gate. You know, and then all those moments will be lost in time. Yada yada. And that was a battle that Kurt Russell apparently fought in. Yes. Yes, exactly. And there's a couple others that are mentioned. And then, of course, there's a spinner, which is the flying cars. You see them in in the junkyard at one point. In the junkyard. Yep. Okay. So this is in the Blade Runner universe. Yeah, weirdly. Interesting. Even though, according to 2049, they just dump all their garbage in San Diego. So I don't know what they're doing, dumping it all. Oh, a little retconning. A little bit. Yeah, come on, Blade Runner 2049. You didn't do your homework A little retconning going on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Kurt Russell should have been in fucking 2014. <laughs> that would have been an interesting movie. That would have been sick. <laughs> it's just like he was in the Batista role. Oh, my God. <laughs> fucking Todd. Oh, my God. That would blow my fucking mind if they did that. That would have been the weirdest, most awesome shit. <laughs> Your army belt, it's colonial medical issue. Like that line, it's like, oh, my God, he's a soldier. <laughs> <laughs> You and I have the same employer. We all work for the Umbrella Corporation. The mansion above us is an emergency entrance to the Hive. You are security operatives placed there to protect that entrance. What about this? Your marriage is a fake. Just part of your cover to protect the secrecy of the Hive. And what is the Hive? Show them. Resident Evil 2002. Oh boy, here we go. Mila Djokovic stars, along with Michelle Rodriguez and James Purfoy. A special military unit fights a powerful, out-of-control supercomputer and hundreds of scientists who have mutated into flesh-eating creatures. You can just say zombies. After a laboratory accident. They're just so afraid of saying zombies. They're fucking zombies, all right? The Z word, don't say it. Why? Because it's ridiculous. This movie, of course, spawned five sequels three of which directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, five of them written by Paul W.S. Anderson. Mm -hmm. This is his baby, this franchise. I've seen three and a half of those movies. Um, Congrats. Yeah. (laughs) Made some money, of course, $102 million worldwide on a $33 million budget. Yeah, kind of weird that like that he has taken such ownership of this franchise and not just sort of passed the baton on. It's funny, like, you know, he obviously wrote two and three, but they were yeah. directed by other guys. And I just couldn't imagine him watching those two movies and being like, all right, I need to take the reins back here. I need to write the ship like fucking, you know, George Miller watching Babe or whatever. Like, I'm going to show him how it's done. It's like, move on with your life, Paul W.S. Anderson. It's fine. Especially if you see those movies and it's like, really? Like the second one in particular is such a Paul W.S. Anderson movie. Just let it go. I mean, I like, I don't know. And, and uh, you know, one of the guys that he's compared to often because they came up around the same time and they're both sort of of low stature is Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, Michael Bay kind of got lost in the Transformers franchise in the same way that Paul W.S. did. But it seems like they're both kind of done with them now, right? I think they're, they just did a final chapter of Resident Evil. Is he did right? do a final. I never saw it, but he did do a final chapter. I just thought it was so weird that he was so tied to Resident Evil since it doesn't appear like he cares about Resident Evil. Oh, you mean the video game? The video game. Oh, I just mean the, 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 <laughs> the series, the, the movie series. series. Yeah, no, 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 no. The thing he is adapting, I'm not sure he cares all that much about it. I will, right. I will say that. What did you think? Because my feelings are going to be very different from yours. I like that the movie takes place in one location. I like how contained it feels. Got that right. And yes, given... I mean, I haven't seen any of these movies, but I've, I've seen enough trailers and images and scenes or whatever to know that the franchise kind of... It ratchets it up the scope of the sure. of the movies as they go, right? Sure, sure. And I appreciated how sort of contained and small stakes this one felt, even though like it's about a disease of zombies that is about to destroy the world or whatever. It it feels to me a lot like a video game, and I imagine what you're going to tell me is <laughs> that it is not really based on the Resident Evil video games at all, and kind of does its own thing. Yeah. But, like, you know, I watched that opening scene, not the opening scene, but I watched that scene where Mila Djokovic awakes from a coma and she has amnesia uh-huh. and she's in this mansion and she's kind of, like, aimlessly wandering around the mansion. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, oh, this is what a video game feels like. The way that, you know, you're not really yeah, she, sure where the plot is going. Yeah, she, she wanders around for about, I don't know, 30 seconds until the fucking SWAT team busts in. <laughs> Sure, but the way that the movie just kind of drops you in uh, in media res doesn't include, like, opening title cards. In that sense, yeah. You know, in the way that some of his other movies do. Like, to me, like, that is a video game scene to me. Yeah. The lasers in the hallway. Like, this idea that you have to jump over the laser or duck under the laser or else it's going to cut you in half. Like, that's a level in a video game. Like, you can see that being a task. Maybe yeah. not in a Resident Evil game. I don't know the Resident <laughs> Evil movie. Yeah, but, like, but, like, yeah. in a, you can see that being a video game thing. And also the way that, like, the schematics of this laboratory are laid out. And you see oh, yeah. 3D animations of them. And the guy is giving you very heavy-handed exposition while he's explaining the schematics of the building. Like, that's very video gamey to me. So, like, as I'm watching it, like, I wanted to know, that was my one question after watching it, is how much of this is actually in the video game? How much does he diverge from it? And, like, how much of your (laughs) opinion of this movie is colored by how much he does either one or the other? Here's the thing. I saw this movie well before becoming a fan of the games. Never really liked it, but I was always like, eh, okay. I just thought it was kind of boring and lame and it's like styleless sometimes. And then a couple of years later, I finally played the games, starting with Resident Evil 4. And funny enough, Resident Evil 4 mocks this movie with a tribute to the laser scene, which just does it in a way that's like so over the top <laughs> and like that it's almost like satirical. So are you saying like the video game franchise and the movie franchise that have been running concurrently for now two decades yeah. are like actively at war with one another? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I, I can't imagine Shinji Mikami has anything good to say about these movies. That's so weird. Um, it's so weird. Like they're both exist. That's like George R.R. R. Martin yeah. as he's writing the next Game of Thrones novel like 
talking about Kit Harrington's bad acting, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. That's it's, so weird that they're not like symbiotic. No. Especially in this world where like video games are used to promote every movie, basically. Every major blockbuster has a video game to pair with it. The movie is cherry picking a lot of things. I mean, it had come out. It was 2002, and at that point, Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, and Code Veronica had all come out. So there were four mainline Resident Evil games, and it was a big deal. Also important to note, Resident Evil is a hyper-influential game series, whether you like it or not. It is the catalyst that sparks the zombie revival as we know it. It is the thing that inspires Alex Garland to write 28 Days Later. It's the thing that inspires Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg to do Shaun of the Dead. And around this time, you also have like uh, George Romero feeling confident to go and do his Land of the Dead. He said, I wouldn't have been able to do Land of the Dead if it wasn't for Resident Evil. George Romero wrote a script for Resident yes, Evil. Yes, he did. He, he was originally signed on to do it. Yeah, this was going to be a Romero movie. Yeah, I know. It's hilarious. that I, I, You know, again, in a string of like, man, I wish a better director made this movie. I mean, yeah, give me Romero's version of this. Oh, my God. I mean, you watch the first 20 minutes of this movie, and it's, you know, a version of what we saw in Dawn of the Dead. And really, all of Romero's movies have the moment of realization of the zombies are here. Yep. And, like, it's good enough. Like, there's some decent ideas, and there's enough chaos in this office building, but fucking let Romero do that. You're right. No, it's just very dull and stylist. The elevator thing is cool. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. That's cool. This was the movie, like, on rewatch, though, that really heightened to me, like, his shortcomings as a stylist filmmaker, because I just find what he's doing to be incredibly blunt and, like, fine and flat, like, just get the thing and move on, get a couple squibs of a zombie and then move on and get the shot of her firing into the camera and move on. But, like, the only thing to make it, like, stylish and vibey is the fucking rock music. And it's just a lame movie. But getting into my feelings on it as a Resident Evil movie... Okay, first of all... There are no characters from the games in this movie. So Mila Djokovic is not a character. Totally made up. Does she eventually appear in the games? Wow. Totally made up. That's so odd. And it's weird because the characters in Resident Evil are pretty good. (laughs) They're nothing amazing, but they're really, really charming and fun. And you can't help but root for them. That's so weird. Chris Redfield and Jill Valentine. I mean, hell yeah. They're just the best. It's like, okay, now take a movie, build upon them, flesh them out even more. I I can't wait to see that. Especially, I can't wait to see what you do with Leon because Leon's the fucking man. And he's just like, no, we're just going to invent Alice. It's like one of the worst characters I've ever seen in a movie. (laughs) But like a character that carries six movies. I mean, she's in six Resident. That's so bizarre to me. I can't get over that of like... If the Harry Potter franchise like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. was led by a guy named Doug or whatever, and like the books just kept getting written with Harry, <laughs> and the movies kept getting getting made with Doug. And it's like, are we going to overlap at some point here? And you're telling me they never do. The second movie does have Jill. It has Jill from Resident Evil 3, which is weird. Okay. Uh, but she's a supporting character. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then eventually you have Chris Redfield. But again, he's a supporting character. It's all about Alice. And the only, like, significant crossover that they do as far as, uh, like, the games are concerned is that the villain eventually becomes the same with Albert Wesker. Uh, That's in the fourth movie. And I think he's in the third movie. I can't remember. But, yeah, that starts to become a more prominent idea. But, like, 
again, like every, every turn it can make, it's just trying to kind of go away from the foundation of the games. And then I'm kind of like, well, what are you doing adapting the games at this point? Just do a dumb zombie sci-fi movie. Like, why does it have to be Resident Evil? It has nothing to do with Resident Evil. Like, the first game takes place entirely, almost entirely in that mansion. Right. And that's, what is that? You know, once they've cut to Mila Jovovich, it's, yeah, like 30 seconds of the movie, a minute, and then they immediately go down to a lab. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, do you care, though? Like, like, does this stuff actually bother you, or, like... This is what I wanted to talk about as far as, like, adaptations are concerned. I'm not... It's okay if you want to change certain things. Like, I was thinking about Dune, Nico. I'm sorry, but, like, this was sort of an interesting point. Yeah, like, okay. And I was thinking about Margot Robbie a couple minutes ago. But, like, that is true of all moments of the day. Listen to me. Uh, Dune is an interesting example. We're talking about adaptations of something that I consider to be faithful to the book but it's also like tremendously different in a lot of key areas and it's often doing a lot to make sure that it adapts itself nicely to the medium it's it's adapting itself to it's a lot like the book but it changes things around all the time it adds things it takes things away it rearranges things sometimes seems even when they look similar they don't quite play out the same so while i i would consider it faithful it's still ultimately very different like imagine the book is like draft six as we know, like that's draft six of Dune in an alternate universe. The movie, as we know, it would have been draft like eight or nine. Right. That's what the movie feels like. But at the end of the day, still feels like something Frank Herbert would have maybe done in another timeline. All the changes never made at the expense of what Dune is. And this movie, <laughs> and like I said, you can change stuff, but I had to believe it within the spirit of what you're adapting at the very least. And just... I don't know if any of this makes sense to me. But if it was good, would you have cared? I don't know. Like, if this was, like, a really kick-ass George Romero-style zombie movie... I mean, the thing... ...that didn't take any of the characters from the video game and didn't borrow really any plot elements... Well, then ...except I, for just the concept. Yeah, well, then I would be curious as to why you felt the need to adapt it at all. But you still would have enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I, like, ultimately, who cares how we get well, I would have. Right? I would have said I enjoyed that movie, but it's not... Resident Evil. I wouldn't have. Sure. I wouldn't have watched it as a Resident Evil movie. I would have watched it as just a stupid zombie movie. Which, but, you know, in fairness to WS, apparently he did write this movie initially as a Resident Evil riff, where which he, makes way more sense. He to could have made it under another title had the studio not given him permission to make it as a Resident Evil movie. So it was definitely intended to work as a ripoff. Yeah, that's what but eventually is. did get the seal of approval and get the title. That, but again, none of this matters in the grand scheme of things no. because the movie isn't very good. No, it's not very like, good. That's the bottom line. It's just not very good. No, it's not very good like at all, at all, at all. No, I mean, I fundamentally believe that if you're adapting something, you kind of have a responsibility to it, at the very least make it, you know, the thing, you know, not not literally, but it has to at least bear some resemblance. I don't really believe it's necessary to completely change these things, you know? This idea makes way more sense to me as something like, okay, just make something inspired by the thing. Because people have done that all the time, where they said, like, it's inspired by uh, Dracula. It's inspired by this movie over here, but it's not directly that movie. It's not directly that game. It's not directly that book, you know? It's like Werner Herzog doing Bad Lieutenant Portal sure, New Orleans sure. without, without having ever seen Bad Lieutenant. Yeah. You know? That, yes, yes. It just, it, it, whatever. Like, you like the title and you rolled with it. And that, yeah. like, I guess that's really what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't really care where the spark, where the seed of the idea comes from as long as the final 
product looks good. And I, I am in the fortunate position of having never played any of these video games. Mm -hmm. So I cannot be disappointed by the lack of a faithful adaptation. I can just sort of objectively view it on its own merits and tell you that you are correct and that this movie is not very good. No. Yeah. No. Because what is what is it? <laughs> yeah. It's just this really, really dumb, like, zombie thing. Like, yeah. I don't, it's just, it's so nothing. It's so nothing. They just, they're just walking around occasionally shooting zombies. Yeah, it, and it's, it has a similar tone problem that Event Horizon does, although Event Horizon gets to be a lot more zany, so. Yes, it does. At least I have that. And the production design in that movie is actually memorable. I don't agree with it right. a, a lot of the time, but at least I remember it. Whereas, like, this is just. It's very drab. Yeah. The office building is just kind of boring and not very colorful the creatures with the exception of the zombie dogs i don't really care for all that much this version of a zombie is not particularly scary to me or like visually interesting no and whatever that giant demogorgon looking thing what is that thing called <laughs> a liquor right is that in the video games it's not until the second game okay. <laughs> yeah that's all right and the idea of like when you consume more DNA, you evolve. Like you're literally like intaking the DNA and it is changing you. Yeah. And I don't know. That's an all right idea, I guess. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is a movie about a bunch of people fighting an umbrella corporation named umbrella umbrella. Yeah. Corporation. Um, and the movie doesn't do much more to expand upon that nope. at all or explain why all of this genetic testing is happening. Why did this virus leak out in the first place? Who did it benefit? The whole James Purefoy subplot really made no sense to me, which I guess is another thing it has in common with a lot of video games in the sense that I, I like I don't know who he was betraying and why he was doing so. Yeah, none of that's in the game. <laughs> Truly baffling. <laughs> um, the AI I thought was fine. I kind of liked that it was voiced by a little girl. I think Roger Ebert in a review called it Gal Five Thousand. Gal Five Thousand. Yeah, as opposed to you know, it's okay. That was interesting. That was a different take on the evil. Hal ripoffs. Sure, yeah. You know, the idea that it's a little girl and she like says, I've been a naughty girl. I released like a demon that's going to eat you. I like some of those ideas, like being stuck in a facility where like the facility feels like it's against you, you know? Right. Again, nothing has nothing to do with the games, but like that idea is, is fun. Yeah. And oh, Event could, Horizon does a similar thing. Yeah, it's another yeah. like killer structure, I guess, this yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Now it's a haunted house. Yeah. Underground. Yeah. Yeah. There is a raccoon city raccoon city is a big deal yep cliffhanger at the end of this movie which you know you got a lot of balls like leaving it open for the sequel there well, paul ws that's perhaps the most faithful element because yeah the first game ends before you even go to raccoon city and the second game is all about the outbreak happening in the city right so that's fine i guess oh yeah an underground lab is there even though they're completely different but you know like like stuff like that if you want to know the best adaptation, even though it's not an adaptation, but the best Resident Evil movie, it's Wreck. Got it. So if you want to get an idea of what it feels like to play Resident Evil 2 specifically, uh, just watch Wreck. You'll have a pretty good idea. I will not be doing that anytime soon until you make me for mm, a podcast. There you go. Because here's the thing. Because apparently that movie is very scary. And so here's the thing. 
Yes, it is very scary. And here's the problem with this fucking movie is that they're horror games. They're terrifying. They're like really scary. The second Resident Evil game is one of the scariest experiences with like an audio visual medium that I've ever had. The seventh game, holy shit. I mean, just, they're, they're frightening. The, uh, even the more action-oriented ones can get scared. Resident Evil 4 in particular. And the worst ones are the ones that get away from that. <laughs> so, they're totally, this thing is just totally backwards. And I can just imagine the people who, like, were excited for it just be like, what the hell is this? They're just unloading into these zombies willy-nilly like it's a military shooter. <laughs> We have a fully functioning auto shop, just like you'd find in the outside world. Each team has their own shop. We don't help them. They don't help us. The inmates, your Jensen names, new grease monkey. Nobody will know you're Frank except us on the team and a handful of the guards. Nobody will talk. How can you be so sure? Hennessy. In here, she is judge, jury, and executioner. The race is her baby. Anyone who threatens it, she kills. The audience for the race is half since Frank's been out of the game and so is the corporation's profit. That's why she needs you. Who's back there? That's a good question. Hennessy's had a whole wing of the prison in isolation for a month. Working on something. Time to meet the monster. 2008's Death Race. Starring Jason Statham, Joan Allen, Tyrese Gibson, Ian McShane, Ian McShane, and Jason Clark, a young Jason Clark in this as well. Uh, based on Roger Corman's 1975 movie Death Race 2000, which starred a young Sly Stallone, yeah, and a young David Carradine, who cameos in this movie as Old Frank. He's the voice of Old Frank. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Old Frank. <laughs> Ex-con Jensen Ames is forced by the warden of a notorious prison to compete in our post-industrial world's most popular sport, a car race in which inmates must brutalize and kill one another on the road to victory. It's a race, a lot of death in it. Oh, yeah. It's about a death race. I'd hope so. It's a movie about a death race. I would hope so. And it's it's just like a thousand death race games that I've played, man. Mm. This is the most video gamey movie of the bunch to me. Interesting, yeah. It's, it's just, this is what it is. It is the movie that just completely feels like you are playing a game. And that's, like, I don't always agree with people when they say, oh, it just felt like I was playing a game watching the movie. I'm like, how did it feel like you were literally playing a game while watching a movie? That doesn't make any sense to me. But this is one of the only times where I'm like, yeah, it kind of feels like I'm playing a fucking game. <laughs> This is, I've said this before, actually, we had a very long conversation about this over multiple weeks on Why Is This a Thing when we did the movies of Nick's youth. Oh. Uh, our, like, little mini marathon of 2008, 2009, 2010 action movies. Oh. Uh, just the absolute lowest of the low in terms of action cinema. I mean, just the worst <laughs> fucking era maybe that this country has ever seen. And it's because the action movies of this era are so goddamn dumb. And <laughs> this is, to me, just indistinguishable from Crank and Transporter and all of Jason Statham's movies of this era, you know? I'd say it's distinguishable from Transporter, but Crank, it's so 
cut from the crank cloth. It's so much like cranking, uh, cranking a death mobile. <laughs> now, apparently this movie was initially supposed to be produced by and starring Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who the director would have been, but I imagine it would not have been Paul W.S. Anderson. No. And I just can't unsee that movie. I mean, please give me that. Instead, I get another fucking Jason Statham thing (laughs) where I can't tell what's going on half the time and ah, did not care for this movie. Uh, And I wanted to like it, of course, because I love Ian McShane. Oh, yeah. And I love Joan Allen. And like there is like a pretty decent supporting cast here. Oh, yeah. Tyrese playing a version of himself from the fast movies, which is so funny. Yeah. And also Statham playing a version of himself. is kind of like an alternate timeline, fast and furious movie. I, I halfway expected Vin Diesel to show up at the end of the movie when they're in Mexico and the car pulls. It's like, Oh, Vin Diesel's in there. The ending is so fast and furious. I was like, Holy shit. Salute what is me familiar. Yeah. Salute me familiar. You know, but, uh, no, it, it's, uh, it's got none of the heart and none of the soul of the, the no, fast God, movies. No, 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 no. Wrong movie, dude. <laughs> Definitely wrong movie. <laughs> You know, all you need to know is that around the the release of this movie, Armand White said that Jason Statham had, quote, the best track record of any contemporary movie star. (laughs) And I feel like that's all you need to know. Yeah. You know, just disposable trash. And man, I do love a death race, Adam. And I wanted to like this a lot. I haven't seen the original Roger Corman movie, but I, I mean, I just imagine that one has so much more charm. Oh, definitely. So much more something. Yeah, I mean, this is just a trashy ass movie. What do you yes. want? It's, it's. I think it's actually quite entertaining. I don't think the action sequences are as like incoherent as maybe you're making them out to be. I think they're fun enough. It's in the title, isn't it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I. I don't know. It's. Yeah. I don't hate the movie at all. I actually like rewatching. I was like, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I, you know, I wasted a couple hours of my time, but you know. You could do a lot worse. It's just so funny that, like, no matter what he does, he can't help himself. He has to make a video game movie. Yes. That's what this is. Just It's, like, so, like, Jack X combat racing. That's just what this is. I'm just like, what the fuck? It's so much like Mario Kart sometimes, too. It's... Right. Uh, yeah. All right. You got the power up. Right? Exactly. Yeah. The throw throw the blue were, shell. Like, why are there power ups? I don't understand. Why the hell are there power ups on this fucking track? <laughs> I also find the commentary about internet culture and reality television from this era to feel incredibly dated oh yeah and i I just feel like this is probably one of a thousand scripts dumped on every executive's desk from 2005 to 2012 Mm. i'm just like do you have something to say about our obsession with reality TV? It's you know it's drawn from RoboCop a lot here, I guess. But, you know. Right, but like in a way that the commentary in RoboCop does not feel dated. In no, fact, weirdly, it feels more prevalent now than it ever did. It's so weird that that actually still feels prevalent. You know, whereas this is just like, all right, we're streaming death on the internet. Yeah, it's like, oh, all right, come off it, yeah. you fucking hacks. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Like the Joan Allen character, <laughs> man, have I seen that character a million times? Oh yeah, usually not played by an actor of the pedigree of Joan Allen. So, I mean, I guess there's that, but yeah, kind of uh, talent squandered there. Much prefer her looking in, into monitors, yelling about Jason Bourne instead of looking into monitors, just stoically being like evil, do an evil thing, mm-hmm. blow it up. Yeah. For no real reason. Also, like she's just in, in the way that a lot of these villains are callously evil oh, but not very, in yeah. a fun jason isaacs way no just no. In a really like poorly conceived way she, well, she just doesn't feel like a 
person. It doesn't feel like a character. It's just the note is evil. Be evil and then go with it. Right. One of the most single-minded evil things since W.S. Anderson's version of Umbrella Corp. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Jason Statham, his wife is murdered, I I guess, at the behest of Joan Allen. It's implied that, like, Jason Clark killed her, too, right? Is that right? Jason Clark actually did the killing or one of... One of the other prisoners did. No, it was it was the guy. Uh, God, um, Pachenko, that dude who he gets out of the car, snaps his neck. He's the one that killed the wife. Okay, yeah, yeah, but it was orchestrated. By- yeah, yeah, he let it. He let it happen. Right. Yeah. There's kind of a mystery there that is solved pretty quickly. And Very quickly. Yeah. The twist is not really a twist, and so it doesn't really feel like anything. Yeah. Uh, but it also just feels like, as you said, evil for the sake of evil, where Joan Allen just. Kills Jason Statham's wife, frames him for the murder because he's a good race car driver and he would be good for ratings, essentially. Yeah. Um. Yeah, not buying it. Sorry, <laughs> not buying it. Yeah, and again, it's a movie called Death Race. I shouldn't really have to suspend my disbelief that much, but I mean, it's really not that far off from like a lot of like grindhouse crap that like Rodriguez would have done. Robert Rodriguez. Yes. You know. Yeah. Good call. I could easily have seen Robert Rodriguez yeah, doing this. Yeah. yeah easily. From Roger Ebert's half-star review of this Ooh, movie. Ooh, that's low. Can't get any lower. Jesus Christ. Only zero stars. Half a most. star? What the hell is a half-star movie? There are no twos, Rog. This one. <laughs> there are twos, actually. <laughs> Hitchcock said a movie should play the audience like a piano. Death Race played me like a drum. It is an assault <laughs> on all the senses. Uh, this is my favorite line. It is an assault on all the senses, including common. <laughs> That's just fucking elite shit, dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh my God, what's up? The film is literally about stabbing. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, walking out, I had the impression I had just seen the video game and was still waiting for the movie. There you go. Ah. Uh, you and Raj on the same wavelength there. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's got all this shit in there about for-profit prisons and you know the the mass incarceration oh god what it's trying to do it's got that shit in there but like it just doesn't even do anything about it movie about death racing that's it right they make tyrese gay yeah but they get again don't really do anything with that except for like an ending where like he runs off with jason statham so you you imagine there might be like a romance in there somewhere that'd be hilarious if they would be pretty good if they were raising that kid together yeah be pretty sweet i know uh, but at the same time, yeah, there's a death race. There's like a lead female that is often scantily clad and quite attractive. Mm-hmm. That, um, I liked her a lot in the movie. She went method, you know. She did. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> she went method. It's a great performance. <laughs> yes, Nico, it was a great performance. She went totally Sanford Meisner in this movie. I mean, just really incredible thespian. This actress. Am I detecting sarcasm in your voice? No, never. Um, Good. (laughs) So, you know, that's that. I guess here's the thing, right? Like, I want Paul W.S. Anderson to be our Roger Corman, you know? I want there to be more Roger Corman types making movies now. And... I don't know if he was ever our Roger Corman. He never... Right, no, and he's he's just not. You know what I mean? But who is a Roger Corman nowadays? I don't feel like we have a a guy like that. I just feel like, you know, blockbuster entertainment is now made so devoid of charm. Yes. Either it's digital photography or just the way that CGI looks now compared to how special effects looked in the 70s and 80s. Like, 
these just movies are just never charming. They're rarely charming. No, these last two in particular. You know, I, I guess like Joe Dante maybe was making like pretty charming Roger Corman-esque movies. I mean, he came from the school of Roger Corman too, you know. Yeah. No, the, I mean, the best Roger, you know, movie that should have been a Roger Corman movie that's just the best thing ever is The Terminator. Right. You know, so. Sure. There you go. But I mean, I just can't think of many movies like that post-2000. You know, like I said, I think the race sequences are fun enough and they have their moments with how outrageous they can be, uh, especially when they, um, that like war rig tanker thing, they have to deal with that. Or when the guy gets hit by like the spikes and then pulled under and his car explodes. That's kind of a cool little moment. Or my favorite bit, of course, when the guy says, you can't fucking kill me and then gets hit by Tyrese and just splats. I like that. Yeah, that's cute. Good stuff. Cute stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, and Ian McShane gets to ham it up a bunch. Yeah. The performances in this movie are, like, fine enough. Like, everyone's trying their best with really shitty material. Like, right. the lowest kind of low material. Uh, it's amazing that they got certain people in this, but... And you know what? Ian McShane, just a few years later, he doesn't have to wait that long, but he finally gets a chance to actually choose some serious scenery in John Wick. That's and, true. And, you know, it just it feels like it was perfectly calibrated a few years later. Yeah. You know, all like the fourth wall breaking. That's right. He does break the fourth you wall. Know, silly stuff in this movie. Yeah. It's just, it just sometimes you need the perfect alchemy, and they finally figure it out with John Wick a couple years later. And I don't know. Watching this, I was just, I, I wish I was watching Fast. I wish I was watching John Wick. I, I wish I was watching better versions of this movie. And that. I guess is the running theme and basically better, his entire filmography. Better movie. Better yeah, movie. I just wish I was watching a better movie. I guess I'm a little surprised, but I'm not shocked that we lined up on what movie was our favorite. And yeah. That there really is little debate about what we're putting in. I mean, hey, I would love it if shopping could go in, but I, I think I did like Soldier just as much, if not maybe a little more. And it's, right. it's cool that we lined on that one. Even though like... If you asked 100 people, Family Feud style, very few of them would probably put Soldier in. But I, I don't know. So I love it. Soldier's fun enough. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Maybe it's just the sense of place that that movie has. I love that setting, too. And yeah. if, if you don't have Kurt Russell in it, it maybe is it really tanks for me. But I don't, I don't know. I think W. Sanderson was on his game for that I one. I agree. That's fine. I'm fine with that. All right. I'll go. Yeah, Soldier. I mean, just a true underdog story. <laughs> it's a regular Rocky story. That's right. It's just like Rocky. Soldier getting into the movie Hall of Fame. Fucking soldier. Unbelievable. Oh, man. That is not a movie I expected to one day be inducted in the movie Hall of Fame when we first came up with this concept. But no. then again, we have uh, lost the thread. Of we, we, hey, here's, we could have done shopping. It's a more important movie. Nah. Soldier, yeah. bro. Yeah, but soldier's sweet. So we are going to be leaving for Toronto in eight days from the time of this recording and much less than that at the time of its release. Holy shit. We'll be there. We're going to watch some movies. We're going to pod about it. Wow. And should be a good time. It will be a great time. I'm very excited. Uh, if you're in Toronto, send me a message and tell me where to go. But don't say, hey, I don't want to meet up with you. Mm. I have no interest in meeting you. Unless you're an, an attractive female, in which case... In which case I will reconsider. Yes. I will reconsider my policy. Please hit up Nico. Please do. <laughs> it's really all about Nico, this bachelor party. It's really not about me. It's about Nico. <laughs> uh, we love you. We'll talk to you after we get back from TIFF. Mm -hmm. And until next time. <laughs> I can't say without laughing. <laughs> all right, cocksucker. Fuck with me, and we'll see who shits on the sidewalk.
you know they play that clip at the <laughs> end of the credits? What? I, I like fast forwarded to the end of the movie and like as the credits fade out, the audio of Joan Allen saying that it, it, it plays over the credits. Say it one more time. All right, cocksucker. Fuck with me and we'll see who shits on the sidewalk. <laughs>